0: Hello and welcome to Oh What A Time, the history podcast that tries to decide if the past was truly, truly rubbish. I'm Tom Crane.
1: I'm Chris Skull. And I'm Ellis James. Each week on this show we'll be looking at a new historical subject and today we're going to be discussing
2: myths.
1: So therefore, if we're discussing
2: myths, all these things we're discussing are myths. The Welsh discovered America. No, that's real. (laughs) (laughs) The Witch's Broom, where it came from. Robin Hood, which is a bit depressing because he's a myth. But also the bonus bit this week is, controversially, the Loch Ness Monster. So the souvenir shops surrounding Loch Ness, we're fuming to hear us categorise Loch Ness Monster as a me. (laughs) That
0: financial tap turned off in a second as we (laughs) reveal the fact that the Loch Ness
2: is not real. (laughs) They're all flipping their signs to closed.
1: We haven't had anyone through the door all day. Oh gosh. Have you listened to the latest episode of Oh What A Time? Oh my, oh no. (laughs) Robin
2: Hood
0: Airport, swiftly renamed. Ellis and I banned from the Edinburgh Festival. You can't even go across the border anymore.
1: I mean, we'll discuss this at the time Uh, when we get to it. I love the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. And I love the idea of it. I love it. And so, yeah, I actually refuse to believe it's a myth. I think it's true.
0: (laughs) Which is why you spend three months a year with your full scuba suit on a mission to find it, don't you? You explain to your yeah. wife and kids, I'm so sorry I can't well, be here for the summer holidays. Daddy's off to find you, the Loch Ness Monster again. Do
1: you know what? The latest like tech bro billionaire thing to spend your money on is trying to live forever. Like that guy, Brian Johnson, who injects himself with his son's blood plasma and all this kind of stuff. And is right. constantly measuring the strength of his sort of nighttime erections and, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Why aren't they spending their money on trying to discover Loch Ness? And on trying to discover the Loch Ness monster. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's
1: what I Imagine be doing. if you Maybe accidentally give them forever. the wrong brief. Try and
2: discover Loch Ness. <laughs> 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 ah, it's that's it's that's massive! That's it. They've won the prize. <laughs> They've found it. But isn't the Loch Ness the Loch Well, Loch Ness, isn't it really deep? It's really yeah. difficult to kind of trawl it's, it and
1: there's more water in. Loch Ness than all the freshwater lakes in England and Wales combined, because yep. it's 22 miles long. It's a couple of miles wide, and it's about 500... Is it 500 feet deep or something? It's huge, anyway. There's a very big expanse of water. It's very impressive. And, and also, we'll Nessie, all this Nessie's
0: very shy bit. as well, isn't he? He's <laughs> well, the shyest thing. of the monsters, which makes or it she. tricky. Or she! Very good point. <laughs> it's not for us to... Until we've met Nessie, it's not for us to do that. So... That's what we're talking about today, myths, legends, the truth behind them. Talking of legends, our listeners have been in contact with emails. That's yes. just a wonderful, yes, please. Please. That's a wonderful bit of wonderful That's podcast. a lovely bit of audio business.
2: I love audio.
0: I love audio, exactly. <laughs> so Moments look- like that.
2: <laughs> it's like watching one of the great masters painting.
1: Magic moments.
0: <laughs> and if you can see how tired I look, I'm really grateful this is only audio as well. Yeah, I yeah, look... Yeah. Like I've been dug up. That's what I look (laughs) like. But a charming Ah. smile. Okay. Last week. I think it was last week. I lose track of time. It's a history pod. What is time? Uh, I was talking about my deep love of custard. Do you remember this? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Last week's episode.
0: Custard is my favourite liquid. In fact, we've had messages uh, (laughs) suggesting that we need to release... (laughs) A range of merchandise saying custard is my favourite liquid on mugs and t-shirts and hats. Um, Let's get into that first of all. Do you reckon that's a goer?
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Custard is my favourite liquid.
2: (laughs) Tom, can you change your bio on all social medias to custard is my favourite liquid? I drink it. I bathe in it. (laughs) If you tell me how to change my bio, I will do that.
0: If you come to my house and you take my phone and you show this is, show me this is how you do it, Tom, I will do that, okay? I promise you. Right, John Bone has been in contact. It's a great name, John Bone, isn't it? It sounds like yeah. trombone. <laughs> and I'm sure he got that all the time at school, all the yeah. time. People doing trombone noises as he walked past. He has said, hello chaps. I'm going to keep this really, really short, this version, because it's a very, very long email. But the first paragraph surmises what it's about. Hello, chaps. Loving the pod, etc. Okay, platitudes taken care of. To business. In the Nightlife episode, Tom said that custard is his favourite liquid. <laughs> let, me, let, let me correct him on that. Custard is not a liquid. It's a non-Newtonian fluid.
1: So there you oh go. Oh, dear. You're <laughs> not having clever listeners. My worry, all John all Bone,
0: all. is that the T-shirts... Custard is my favorite non Newtonian fluid. Aren't going to shift as well as custard is my favorite liquid.
1: <laughs> well, you'd have custard is my favorite liquid yeah. in big letters, in a big font. You'd have a little asterisk by the word liquid. And then at the bottom, you'd have I'm aware it's a non Newtonian <laughs> fluid. Sorry.
0: What do you think they oh, i have that yeah, on
2: I'm the thick. back. So that- you read it first, and then as the person walks away, you're like, oh, they did connect. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, that's nice.
2: Uh, this email is genuinely about 15 paragraphs long
0: explaining why custard is not a liquid. I'm going to screen grab it all. We'll whack it on our Instagram, so if people want to find out more about oh, yeah, me, the nature of custard, they can. Furthermore, to that point, we've had an email from Jen in Sheffield who has said, I've been genuinely banned from buying any more custard until I've worked my way through the cupboard full I'm currently in possession of.
2: Oh, Who banned me? My full.
0: partner. Don't be silly. No one wants a custard-drinking lady. Um, uh, I, it was, of course, my 12-year-old child. So um, her 12-year-old child apparently has banned her from buying any more custards. So custard there are people banned. like me out there. I'm not yeah, a loser. And, and, there's people like me out there. There's, there's, there's custard lovers. That sounds do weird.
1: Social media and the internet, etc., comes in for a lot of stick, but it has made some of society's outcasts feel less alone. <laughs> <laughs> Tom obviously was an outcast for years, but now he's realized that the custard is many people's favorite liquid slash non Newtonian fluid. Yeah. And he doesn't feel quite so isolated now.
0: I'm trying to imagine what we. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what we would do at meetings. What would happen at these custard meetings? <laughs> well, if I was to form like a Facebook group, group yeah. where, where we'd well, meet,
1: probably. I don't think. I don't think there'd be much need for a tea urn. <laughs> Put the kettle on. Yes. Why? <laughs>
0: right, Ellis. Let's move on to things you said that are silly. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> Jordan Butler Wells. Great name again. Yeah. So many great names, Jordan yeah. Butler-Wells. Proper
1: footballers, a championship footballers name, that.
2: Now this, he yeah. really a oh, is, World War I general. Yeah. He's whistling the men over the top from the comfort yeah. of the trench. So Jordan Butler-Wells has said,
0: moon and the sun. On the topic of misunderstanding the moon, oh, so this is a while God. ago. So Ellis, just quickly remind our, our listeners what you said about the moon.
1: Uh, Izzy, me... when our daughter was about two or three was holding Izzy's hand and said, oh, look, it's the moon. And it was like two in the afternoon. And yeah. Izzy said, uh, no, that's the sun. Yeah. Because it's the day. And her friend Annabelle said, no, I think that's the moon, Izzy. She went, yeah. is it? And she hadn't realised that you could see the moon in, in, in daylight, occasionally. Well. And I, obviously, I, you know, I, she was given short shrift by me for this. How have I got this wrong? Because I definitely I would definitely recognise the moon when I see it.
0: Well, this might make her feel a little bit better, because Jordan Butler Wells has met someone who's taken it up a level. On the topic of misunderstanding the moon, my sixty five year old mother told me that until recently she thought that the moon was just the sun at night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like until recently, state.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my first question was, how recently? Well, my husband's was, how did you realise it wasn't? And she replied, well, I saw the moon in the day while the sun was out, and I thought, hold on a minute. <laughs> 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 so she thought both at once. And that blew her opinions out the water.
1: That's great. Oh,
0: Amazing. And it doesn't end there. We've got more moon emails. We'll, I think we'll end on this one. Um, Howard James... Is that the name of the guy from Take That? No.
1: No, it's Howard no. Donald.
0: Ah, oh, there it is. Howard Donald. It's 50% there, of the name of the guy from Take That.
1: There was the musician Howard Jones. Ah, uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It's not. It's not what I'm thinking of. The moon in
0: the daytime. Greetings, gentlemen. Following on from Ellis talking about Izzy's confusion over seeing the moon during the day a couple of years ago, I was talking to a woman in Ellis's homeland of Pembrokeshire who genuinely thought the moon and the sun were the same thing. Here we are again. See, it's not alone. She thought that it shone brighter in the day because it was light, but it wasn't as bright at night because it was dark. True story. As part of the same conversation, she asked me, you know they say that the earth is the same shape as a ball. (laughs) Are we on the inside or the outside? (laughs) He just said, I had to to walk away at that point. There you are. (laughs) That's all it is. Keep up the good work, Howard. That might be a winner. (laughs) We might have a winner. I absolutely, that's actually, that's genuinely made me cry with laughter. Absolutely love that. Well, there we are. Our wonderful listeners, uh, legends that you are, have come up trumps again. Do
2: send us any custard or some related (laughs) thoughts you have. If if you're sending in custard, don't send it to the email. Send it to Tom's house. Yes. Yeah.
1: I actually you doing- don't. I'm staging an intervention. The, the guy, he's drinking slash eating he's too much of it. <laughs> and if you must send it, do send it in its powdered form. Don't make the <laughs> custard into a
0: liquid thing and pour it into an envelope because it will not survive the journey, OK? Um, if you have any other thoughts, which are historical thoughts, one day time machine, any amazing relatives who have done incredible things in the past, get in contact with the show, and here's how you do that.
2: All right, you horrible lot. Here's how you can stay in touch with the show. You can email us at hello at owatertime.com oh and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ohwatertimepod. Now, clear off. All right, so this week I will be talking about Robin Hood and our bonus bit for the oh what a Time full-timers is the Loch Ness Monster. I will be talking about
0: myths around the witch's broom and the truth behind where the stories came from.
1: But I'm going to start by talking about one of my favourite myths, which is the Marduk myth, uh, which we have I, I have mentioned a couple of times already on the podcast, if you're a regular listener. But it's the myth that America wasn't discovered by Christopher Columbus in 1492 or the Vikings, that America was discovered by the Welsh, yes, that's right, over 300 years before Christopher Columbus, <laughs> uh, in around 1170. Amazing. Um, this is a myth. If you grew up in Wales and you, and you had an interest in Welsh history, it's the kind of, I think I was probably made first aware of it in school because there was a historian, Marxist historian called Gwyneth Williams, whose work I studied at school and university, and he wrote a book about it, uh, the Madoc myth, actually. It just sounds so ridiculous and so insane. I, I love every bit of it, but um, people know about the Vikings and Christopher Columbert and John Cabot, but no, they're all wrong. It's not a myth. I completely believe it. America was discovered by Madoc Aberwine, Gwynedd, There was a 12th century Welsh prince, and he discovered America before the age of 20. <laughs> wow. Now... It's. Uh, I'll give you a few de- uh, details first. Owain yeah. Gwynedd, who was Maldock's father, was a real person. He was born in about 1100 and he died in 1170. And he is known in history, in Welsh history, as Owain Vawr, which uh, translated means Owain the Great. Well, actually, strictly speaking, it means Big Owain. But it, in that context, it means sort of Owain the Chief or Owain the Great. And he was the King of Gwynedd.
0: Big Owain. It is... doesn't feel like a, enough of a sort of like <laughs> mythological. Character's name, well, does it? It just like feels like a uh, well, your
1: mate's older brother. the yeah, biggest, well, the biggest Ro- character at the Working Men's Club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Valro Maur means big and great at the same oh, time. Okay, okay, right. got you. Yeah. So uh, he was the king of Gwynedd. Gwynedd is the county of northwest, where it's still very Welsh-speaking, right? So that's that's where he was based. Yeah, and he was a shagger up to sort of basically he was the king shagger up to Tom Jones, King Welsh shagger. <laughs> So he had two wives, four known mistresses, at least 21 kids. Not all of his offspring were legitimate. Most were not. Some have even been invented and then attributed to him. They all wow. form part of his sort of strange story. Now, Prince Mardoch is one of the inventions. So his tale tells us that he was the younger son of the king, was born illegitimately in 1150. But obviously, being part of an enormous family like that, regardless of legal standing meant that Mardoch would have to find his own way of standing out from the crowd, you know, because he needs to distinguish himself from his siblings.
0: So he was one of 21, Was Twenty-one. that right?
1: Yeah, and obviously inevitably they were going to have to fight for his inheritance because Owain Vares died in 1170. Now, Owain, his father, Owain was king of Gwynedd, as I've already said. His big foe, obviously, was the English king, Henry II.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, followed by pretty much everyone else in Wales wasn't from Gwynedd. Because that's the thing with Wales is even though it's a very interesting Martin John's book about by the historian Martin Johns about Wales as a country, we were a sort of a series of kingdoms really that used to often fight each other. So even though we were united by language and to a large extent religion, we used to you know we were very tribal people. So there's lots of Welsh myths, there's the old white dragon. English white dragon facing off the red dragon, you know, the the, the whole Owen Glendour myth, Yeah, uh, Owen Glendower, as he's referred to in Shakespeare, because he fought a rebellion against the English in the fort, early 1400s. And the myth around him is that he never died and <laughs> that he went missing. And he's just waiting uh, for a time when Wales is truly in need and he's going to come back and save Wales. You kind oh. of think you, you've, you've had enough opportunities, I think, Owen. Yes, I mean Euro 2016. Euro yeah. 2016 semi-final would have been the perfect time. Yeah, Aaron Ramsey's booking is a big one, in my opinion, and in, in fairness to him, Ben Davis's booking. Two of our best players suspended for that game. Could you not? Could you not have struck down Ronaldo when he went for that header at the end of the first half? That Imagine would have been so great.
0: Turning up on the sideline in historical garb and wear a, carrying a pair of football boots and coming on and winning yeah. it for you.
1: Now, Henry II come onto the English throne after a period known as the Anarchy, when members of his family, including his mum, the Empress Maud, squabbled over who should ascend the throne after the unexpected death of Henry I. It's like classic medieval king stuff. (laughs) There, there are elements of true medieval history in the background of this myth, okay? Okay. Uh, now, Madoc, the young son, was thought to be a great sailor and so proved himself on ships sailing off the coast of North Wales. You know, he, he kind of, he's, he's a character that is that is there to be shaped and it's all well and good whilst his dad is alive. But in 1170, he died and Gwynedd was plunged into civil war. So, it's awful. You've got better versus Bethesda. Uh, <laughs> Llanfarfichan versus Bangor. It's a bloody nightmare, right? Now, some of our wine sons left for Ireland. Others escaped south. But Madoc had another idea according to the myth. He would sail from the west coast of Ireland and search for the promised land over the horizon. Ah. Now, at this point, if we're not clear already, we enter the realm of myth, yeah. make-believe, and crucially for this, of medieval romance and invented tradition. Now, we've got to say this because the Madoc myth was developed in earnest not by the 12th or 13th century chroniclers around the time he was alive or just after he died, but by antiquarians and scholars in the Tudor period. Now, the thing with the Tudor period, that was a a, a dynasty that had Welsh backgrounds. You know, a lot of um, the people involved in the Tudors were born in Wales. Okay, So this is a dynasty, it's Welsh in origin, but it faced the threat of Spain, the conqueror of the New World and a grieving husband in the shape of Philip II, yeah. who was the husband of Elizabeth I's half sister, Bloody Mary. I'll just quickly I said that the, the sort of the House of Tudor had Welsh origins. It was an English dynasty. It held the throne of England from 1485 to 1603, but they descended from the Tudors of Penmynydd, who were a Welsh noble family. Yeah. So it's you know, so 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 Welshness, obviously, if you go far enough back, they were they were Welsh. So we know about how important the, you know, the the, the Spanish Empire was at the time, but America's wealth was making Spain extremely rich and powerful and England rather jealous. So Tudor propagandists thought, hang on, why don't we just, why don't we make a prior claim? to America amazing what if we say well well, actually we landed there first in America we got there first so shotgun basically
2: shotgun America yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were shotgunning America we tried to bugsy America
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. so they said bugsy I would say it's interesting the regional difference but um so they're like all alright we'll we'll just say we got there first so they thought to themselves okay well how can we make this believable so um (laughs) So they looked at the Welsh who were the sort of most alien of the people on the island of Britain. Yeah. Because obviously, um, you know, the language primarily, I suppose. And so the Madoc myth was born, apparently with reference to medieval sources, as early in Elizabeth the first reign as 1559. So she came to the throne in 1558. So by the end of the Tudor dynasty in 1603, there were half a dozen versions of the Mardock myth in circulation, with Humphrey Lloyd's of 1559 being the formative one. So he told readers that Mardoch had sailed west from Ireland and arrived in a strange land, some part of the land which the Spanish do affirm themselves to have found first. He's like, no, 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 uh, Prince Mardock, he got, he, he got there before you. Amazing. So when Britons began to settle the New World in the 17th century and their encounters with uh, Native Americans, they sort of it's created this idea that the the native tongues of the Native Americans, the languages they were speaking, was somehow related to Welsh, right? Because obviously Welsh was the most foreign tongue you were likely to hear in right. the UK. So this gave rise to the notion of Welsh Indians, right? What? So in there, yeah. I was trying to find this article online and I couldn't. I remember the Western Mail doing a piece on this, and I think this is in Gwyneth Williams's book as well. Part of the myth is that there was a tribe of Native uh, Americans, or I think First Americans is the is the term people use now, where they like they had ginger hair, and they spoke a language that was very similar to Welsh, and they had like ancient myths about like these black and white cows that didn't like the heat. <laughs>
0: Amazing, and these are the, and like these, this is cattle they were supposed to have brought across with them. Is that yeah, the idea? yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: great. Yeah, they had all these black and white cattle, and they just oh, they did, they didn't they didn't like the heat. Oh god, they struggled. It, it was, was too hot for them. It's like when Welsh people Welsh people start going on holiday to Spain in the seventies. Oh, it was it was too it was hot. It was too hot. If anything,
2: <laughs> amazing. But can I say so like the, there's lots of like there's countries that have a reputation for being. Great seafarers. You think about the Scandinavian yeah, yeah, yeah. countries. I would say even England and Spain have that reputation. But it's—I know we talked about Blackbard in an earlier episode. But I wouldn't. Really yeah, see we are a lot of pirates from Wales. Famous for I think pirates, the, for seafaring nation.
1: I think with the seafaring, I think the problem we have, say in comparison with Ireland or even Scotland, actually, but certainly is, with Ireland, is the
2: frequency with which you pack the ships with cows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that we. In the industrial revolution, we effectively colonised ourselves because we didn't have to go abroad to work because there was so much work in South Wales after the uh, industrial yeah. revolution. If you were rural and skint in West Wales or North Wales, you're like, "Well, I don't actually have to go yeah. to you know to, to America or or abroad or even to London because I can just go to Merthyr because there's bloody ironworks there and there's steelworks there and there's coal mines."
0: That's so interesting. The, the the aspect of me dictating travel and expansion and where people move. That's, yeah. that's so important. And it, it,
1: isn't it? it effectively, for a long time, saved the Welsh language as well because Welsh speakers were moving to other parts of Wales. Fascinating. Whereas obviously the the Irish, I mean, they left Ireland in their millions because of the famine. Yeah. So it was it was slightly different for us.
2: Um, I think that's another T shirt idea as well. We colonised ourselves. Alongside <laughs> custard is my favourite liquid. Get that on a T shirt. <laughs> Love
1: it. There's a, there's a piece we'll from, on, from a, a historical journal piece from 1959, called by Brinley Thomas. I can't remember the name of it, but I think that's the phrase he uses. I remember studying that university. Anyway. So, what we're saying yeah, is he, yeah, gets, he gets 10%. He gets 10%. Now, the idea <laughs> of Welsh speaking, blue eyed Native Americans with myths about black and white cows, I, I have loved this yeah. for about 30 years, right? Now, this myth became so strong. Basically, the idea was that they were descendants of Mardok and his brethren. Right yeah. Now, this myth was so strong that Thomas Jefferson, the enlightened founding father of the US, and obviously went on to become president of the US, he, he was an avowed believer of this myth. Now, he had Welsh ancestry, and in his study, when he died, they found Welsh dictionaries. Like, I'm I'm not saying that he was a Welsh speaker, but he was certainly, he was a linguist and he was fascinated by other languages. So he was definitely aware of the Welsh language. Um, and people have speculated that he was a Welsh speaker, but he certainly might have studied it, right? Yeah. Now, everywhere the Americans expanded on their continent, they apparently met Welsh Indians. And there was the proof that the land was theirs by inheritance. Okay. So the truth of all this is contained in actions rather than words. So Prince Marduk is absolutely an invented tradition, sadly, even though I love to believe it. But he was created to justify empire, justification that loomed large in the minds of those most invested in that enterprise, whether they were British or American. You know, had the Tudors been Scottish in origin, we would be talking probably of Prince Malcolm or Prince MacDonald who'd gone there in the 1170s, but they weren't. So the Tudor Empire acquired this origin myth, myth thanks, you know, to that funny little corner of Wales, I you know, that, that we still call Gwynedd.
0: That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And it's obviously a myth I'm, I'm Welsh,
1: so I'm allowed to call Gwynedd the funny little corner. Okay. I'm
0: funny. Do you think it's too late for Wales to start claiming other countries? Just If it's worked, if they've done it once
1: before. Now, listen, I know that we have a correction section in this podcast... And I'm talking about a news item I saw on the Welsh news about probably 30 years ago. Yeah. But there was a family from Pontypridd who claimed that descendants of theirs discovered New York. Or I think, I think, I think more specifically discovered Manhattan. And so they they had a claim to what is the most expensive real estate on earth. So if that family from Pontypridd are listening, Best of luck because it really will be life changing if you're able to prove this. The idea of walking into Trump Tower and saying, That's mine actually. (laughs) You need to start paying me rent. Well, that's the end of part one. Part two is out tomorrow where we'll be discussing more myths and uh, our hearts will break again over things uh, that we've held very dear since childhood that uh, Daryl his story historian has proved to us to be bollocks. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great feel-good episode. <laughs> But if you'd like to have part one and part two together uh, in the same bumper podcast, then why don't you become an O oh What a Time full-time? And you can find all of the details on how to do this at OWatertime.com. Tom, what else do people get for the money, for crying out loud? It's such a great deal.
0: Well, L, they get no adverts. They get an extra bit of history at the end of every episode. They get a brand new subscriber-only episode once a month. They get first dibs on live tickets. Lots of fun things like that. I'm sure there's other things I've forgotten, but that's probably enough to be getting on with. So if you want to sign up, that would be great. We really appreciate the support.
1: Why don't you do a Robin Hood and put your bloody hand in your
0: pocket?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you tomorrow for part two. Bye.